This is Solo Agent World, where we celebrate the accomplishments of high-performing single-agent real estate practices. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to the Solo Agent World podcast. Today, we're talking with Terry Chase with HomeSmart in Prescott, Arizona. Terry is a solo agent with one administrative assistant. Last year, she sold 65 homes worth 20 million and earned 600,000 in GCI. Today, we're going to talk about how she generates consistent seller leads from her geographic farm. Welcome to the call, Terry. Hi, how are you, Mike? I am doing great, Terry. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. All right, Terry, let's go ahead and jump right in. My first question for you is, how many transactions came out of your geographic farm last year? Over 21, between 21 and 25, not including rentals, because I do rentals also. Oh, that's amazing. So uh, let's see, we've got about 21 closings uh, out of 65. So it's about a third of your transactions. Uh, I'm guessing about 200,000 in GCI. Is that sound about right coming out of the farm? Sounds a little bit low, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So that'll be our low spot, our, our minimum. I just want to give people scale. You know, this farm is doing really good here. Um, well, let's jump in and talk a little more, more about the farm. How big is the farm? How many houses do you have in there? It is 1,300 now. 1,300 now. And you say now, so how big was it when you started? 200. Okay, good. So you started with 200 and you worked your way up to 1300. Over what period of time did that happen? I came here in 2004, so 17 years. Okay, so did you add to it slowly? Were you adding maybe 100 or 200 a year or did it go in a big lump jump? How did it work? Well, it was a, a brand new subdivision. So as the subdivision built more homes, of course, I farmed to the more homes. Okay, that was pretty good. Uh, let's talk about why you picked that area. Uh, I'm guessing it might have had to do with either the fact that they were new homes or it was your area that you lived in. What, what was it? Why did you pick the area that you ended up farming? It was both. It, in, in the town, it, this subdivision sits on the border of Prescott Valley and Prescott, but it is the most elite neighborhood of Prescott Valley. It's a nice golf, golf subdivision. And so the homes are spread out. There's lots of different sizes of homes in the subdivision. And just moving here from California, it was easy to start with a small farm and keep it going while I was still finishing real estate in California. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, you were able to grow with the subdivision. As it grew, you grew your farm and you grew your expertise and knowledge in the area. kind of grew together. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Uh, now you said the word elite is, uh, are these luxury homes in your area or on the higher end of the price range? The large homes up here right now are selling in the 1.1, 1.2 million. Some of the homes are as big as 6,000 square feet. Um, but a lot of the homes are built on the actual perimeter of the golf course with nice views and a varied terrain. Lots of good amenities in this and it's closely located between the two towns, but close to everything, but far enough set back that it's quiet. Okay, cool. What's the, what's the price range lowest to high in the, the uh, farm? High is the, the million two and lowest would be today, probably close to 400,000. Okay, good. 
So 400 to 1.2. So it has a, a lot of variety in there. And you said 1,300 homes. Um, so you picked it basically because that's where you were living. Did you look at any other analysis when you were picking your farm? Did you look at the turnover rate or average price? Or did you just say, man, that looks like a great looking farm. I live here. I'm, I want to do this. Well, because when I was in California and I was in real estate and I was actually an educator, I learned what to look for in a farm. And I thought moving here and still doing real estate in California, I knew what to look for. And I thought, well, I'm buying in a new neighborhood. This is the perfect opportunity because when we first looked at this neighborhood, I was looking at it from an investor point of view because I also own rental properties. And we said, well, God, it's so nice there. Why don't we just move there too? Let's just buy a bigger house. <laughs> so that's what we did. And I thought because of my background in real estate, I know what to look for in a farm. I, I knew who my competition was. And since it was a new subdivision, there really wasn't much other than um, the wife of somebody who was selling the new homes. But I think this was more small town living and so when I got here, I had all the corporate background from selling real estate in California. So it was easy for me to swoop right in. <laughs> nice. Very good. So there was no dominant player. You saw an opening and you took it and it's worked out well for you. Um, let's talk about the, the marketing you do in the farm. So my first question is frequency. How often do you try to get yourself in front of everyone in the farm? Well, now in the farm, because I do farming in a variety of ways, I think with my farm, I'm in front of them four to six times a month in one format or another. Wow. Okay. Four to six times a month. That's a lot. That's pretty good. It is a lot. Uh, in the beginning, were you doing it that frequently? In the beginning, because I knew I wanted this farm, I did something once a week. Wow. I, when I moved here, I didn't even know where the grocery store was. <laughs> you just jumped right in and started to promote. Yes. Cool. Let's talk about your, your annual marketing plan now that you do in the farm. So if you were to look out over the course of an entire year, what are you doing to stay in front of those people? I am in the subdivision newsletter that goes, the, the subdivision puts out a newsletter once a month. I take two full pages in that and it's really affordable. I do that. I postcard at least once to three times a month that also goes to the farm about new listings or homes that just sold or upcoming events that the farm will be interested in. We have two different monthly newsletters that come out, again, with good information about home buying, selling, investing. There's several links in the newsletter that will take them to their area of interest. We also do email flyers that we have collected the emails of our realtors, our personal clients that we've already done business with and people that are in the neighborhood because I do other programs that I get their emails. And so they get included in on that list with events and things that are happening. Well, I've got to ask you about that. Um, 
Uh, how are you getting the emails of the people in the subdivision? You said you're doing some kind of special event or program to do that. Explain. Um, one of the programs I do that we have done from the very beginning is we do a community-wide garage sale. And with that garage sale, I do the advertising in the newspaper. I send out the e-blast. I provide the arrow signs leading people to their homes because this subdivision is very spread out. And so I provide the arrows, the advertising, etc. There is a sign-up list so that you can pick up your arrows. And with the sign-up list, I ask them for their name, their property address, their phone number, and their email. And as they pick up their signs, they get checked off. And that's really the benefit in it for me besides making relationships. Because on the day of the garage sale, we have done things from, and we also make maps of the subdivision. So, and we do this yearly. I mean, we have people calling us in December saying, when will it be this year? Because I got to be there. And they, they come up from Scottsdale to go shopping in our subdivision because hmm. there's so many houses that participate. And with that list, at the when we're done, we upgrade. I mean, we update everybody who's been on the list because some people change their address or their phone number from years before. We send out an, a, an email letter afterwards thanking them for participating and we have done things all the way from getting a small paper bag and putting a couple of muffins in it in my card and saying, you know, a couple of bottles of water with our, our realtor brand on the water and say, I hope you have a great day. Call us if you need anything. And then usually we drive around and we meet everybody when it's happening and say, hey, how's it going? You need help moving things closer to the curb or what? So that a lot of people in the neighborhood just know me. I, I'm here to help them, whatever it is. And actually, we've done it so often, uh, I think they're running out of things to sell. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go back and ask a question. We're going to get back into this, what you're doing each year on the marketing plan. But first, I want to ask, uh, what do you think your market share is in the, uh, the farm? I would say, and it's changed in the last couple of years, just because I think the availability isn't here because we have so many California buyers coming in. Um, I, I would say I'm probably 60% of the sales in the subdivision. Wow. Did you say 60, 60? Six zero. Yes. Wow. 60%. That's pretty good market share. That's pretty, really, really, really super high for a farm. Usually if you hit 30, 35%, about a third, you really are dominating, even a quarter. Uh, so to hit 60%, you're doing something right. Of course, you've been doing this for 17 years. What do you think that your market share was in those early years, first couple of years? Well, in the early years, one of the things that I found in this area really wasn't a whole lot of marketing going on by anybody. And so this is, this is a little bit of how small this town was. To get your business card and to be able to have your picture on it was a hard find. And after spending weeks of doing it and going to lots of printers here, I finally just ordered them from California. So just ship them because I can't believe it's this tough. They were really <laughs> a small sister city growing quickly. And I kind of got to easily grow with it because of my experience in another state. Very nice. So you're you're really reaching out to the community quite a bit. You're doing uh, hard mail. You're doing email with a newsletter. You're doing an event uh, once a year. Uh, you're really out there reaching out. 
What do you think has been the most, uh, if you had to drop everything and could only keep one, what's the one thing you would do to stay in touch with your farm? Oh, that's a tough one. Because people ask me that question all the time. I, I would say probably postcarding. So the, the hard mail postcard, and that's where you're sending out the just listed, just sold and event notification? Yes. Okay. And um, on those cards, those, how big are they? Are they regular postcard size? Are they jumbo size? Are they black and white? Are they colored? Tell us just a right. little bit about it. I know we have some samples to show, but just give us some basics. They're color front and back and they are every door delivery and they are uh, nine by six and a half. Okay. Nine by six and a half. So they're pretty good size. Yes. Uh, that's not quite a full sheet of paper, but less bigger than half. I mean, it's pretty good size. Mm -hmm. Okay. And every door direct mail. So you're using the, the postal route where they go in and they just hit every door on the postal route. Do you get a crossover where you get some of those that go beyond your farm and to either commercial properties or something else? And do you care about that? We do um, get some crossover and we actually have some of the homes that Every door delivery doesn't even go to them. They're not in any route. So again, that's part of the reason why I do such a varied amount of farming in different ways so that we can get to everybody as much as we can. Very good. On the email list for your farm, because that's usually a hard thing to get, uh, did you do anything other than the event to uh, acquire the, the emails of the homeowners? No, just through selling homes, meeting people, being involved in the community. That was the best way I could actually get the emails. And there, you know, I, I like everyone and there's lots of people in here that are constantly sending me their neighbors or their friends or their somethings. And we, we just keep on top of it. I think that's the key is Always be mindful every day that you're trying to add to those lists. If I go to, you know, on a different note, if I, if I go to show one of my listings and I go in and there's six business cards there from the other realtors, we check those business cards that day to see, are all those realtors on my list? Because the next time I send out something just listed, I want them to know I have it. Hurry up and get here. That's fantastic. That's pretty smart and pretty forward thinking that you need to have your co-op agents involved. Um, what's your annual marketing budget for your farm? For just my farm? For just the geographic farm that we're talking about here? Oh, I would say for the farm, I would say about $1,000 a month. So about $1,000 a month, about $12,000 a year. That sounds like a lot, but... As you mentioned in the beginning, that's bringing in over 200K in GCI. So uh, that's pretty good ROI. Uh, we're talking, uh, you know, 5% cost. So 20 to 1 on your ROI. I think people would do that all day long. I think you should. <laughs> and you have <laughs> for 17 years. Uh, let's look at a couple of samples. You were kind enough to send us some samples. So let's pull those up and we can walk through them real quick and you can show people what they are. Let me see if we can do that. So Terry, we've got this, uh, this item here up on the screen. This goes into your geofarm. Uh, what is it? T tell us what we're looking at. Well, this is a 
home that actually I sold it. I didn't list it. We send this out so that people know there are these type of homes that they can buy, even though I wasn't the listing agent on it, because everybody likes to see where we live in Prescott, the terrain is so varied. People don't realize that these kind of homes at the peak of the mountain are available and easy to get to and about what they sell for. In fact, this buyer has bought the adjoining property to it from me, and we're working on buying another adjoining property to it. Wow. It looks like a gorgeous view. And so this is the front, uh, and it's got kind of a headline and a bunch of great pictures, said it was sold in a day, a price, a address, your name, uh, how they could contact you by either phone or email. Um, and then here's the back. Uh, let's take a peek at this. So this is going out that it looks like that every door direct to everyone. Um, and you have this real nice type information that's describing the property. Uh, pretty good. And so let's go, I'm finding your, I'm trying to look for your call to action. It says, if you're thinking of buying or selling or leasing, please give me a call. I'll be glad to help with any of your real estate needs. So that looks like that's your call to action, correct? Yes. Very nice. And you got your picture on there. You were mentioning when you first got there, nobody was putting their picture on postcards and um, excuse me, on their business cards, but you're putting it on everything. Yes. On the very bottom of all the information regarding the property, it says, I can sell your home too. And there you go. I can sell yours too. And also, of course, you have your disclaimer down there. If you're already working with the agent, this is not meant to be a solicitation for business. Correct. Nice. Uh, and is there anything else that somebody who's thinking about putting a postcard together like this should know? Just be consistent. And, you know, this, this property, if you look on the backside, has a lot of description, which is more than I usually put in it. But it was such a big property with the acreage and all the things involved. I am really cautious about making the print big enough that people can read because I think a lot of the consumers that get a postcard are the ones who want to read the newspaper or print. Don't make it that they have to put their glasses on so that it's easy, make it so it's easy to read. Yeah, and I'll throw one more thing out that I like about this and that is people will say, well, geez, you're putting all that, that text in there. Nobody's gonna read that. The answer is not nobody. It's that it's a very few people. And the few people that will read it are the ones that are very interested in it. <laughs> They're right. going to want more information. And there it is. That was pretty smart. All right, let's do this, Terry. Let's go to the next one. Terry, tell us what we're looking at. This is um, one of two pages that goes into the subdivision newsletter that the subdivision, originally they used to actually print this out and I advertised two pages per month in there with most of the time it's homes that are available for purchase or land or rentals. And sometimes it's, I put the sold ones in, but usually I'm calling attention to what's available. And so this is one of the pages of the newsletter that the subdivision puts out. Now it goes out in email format. If you want a hard copy, you can stop by the clubhouse and they will gladly give you one. This is great. Let's take a quick scan down here. You got a lot of great pictures. 
Uh, you talk about this property for sale here. Uh, you give the price and the address, a lot of good detail, again, with all the excellent pictures. This is the second page. Uh, it looks like you've got more properties uh, and some maybe some raw land there and different. Okay, yeah, we've got a lot there. Um, very nice. And there's a lot of variation on pricing. We've got a sold. Very nice. So you're using this as kind of a just listed, just sold uh, part of the newsletter. Is that correct? Correct. And this will update people on what's going on. So I'm looking for what else we've got in here. So we've got, you do have the address, you do have the price, you have the picture, you got a lot of details. Are you holding back any information so people will be sure to call you? Or oh, we do. It you know, it's, it's a very brief description. So people will call for more information. And you beds and baths. Limited space in there as well. And then we've got up here is all of your information. Um, very nice. So I didn't notice, like, I was looking for a call to action or an offer such as a free list of homes or uh, free market analysis. It looks like you don't have to do that. You've really taken a dominant position where people are simply going to call you. This is a really good branding. Uh, is that your objective? In this, I don't really have a call to action because I know so many people call me off of this already. And I mean, it floors me sometimes how much people pay attention to it because whether I'm walking my dog or going somewhere, somebody will say, well, I've never met you, but I see your newsletter all the time, or I see your picture, or, oh my gosh, you sell so many houses, you know, or I can't believe you got this, or that one's old in a day. A lot of people are paying attention to it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, great pictures. Are you taking those pictures yourself, or do you have somebody else do it for you? I think those pictures on the first page, we had our professional photographer do that. Um, the front of the house is an aerial picture with a drone. Yeah, it looks great. Very nice photos. Yeah. And we lightly staged that front house because otherwise it would have been pretty much vacant. Oh, that's fantastic, Terry. Thanks for showing us that. Um, Terry, that was really cool. So there, you showed us a couple of sample pieces. Now, I know you do some other marketing that uh, kind of crosses over from your sphere of influence marketing into the farm. They kind of cross back and forth. And we're going to do another session where we show that sphere of influence information for people and show some samples. I want to stick on the farm here for a second and, uh, and kind of keep going. And my next question for you is this. Over 17 years that you've been working this farm, I've got to assume that you've made some mistakes, some errors, some things you wish you hadn't done. If there uh, are there any of those that you could warn agents against, you know, say, hey, don't do X, what would it be? Wow, that, that's a really tough question because knock on wood, I can't really think of something that I did and said, don't do, oh, I know what I can tell you. Um, um, with my assistants that work with me, they learn a lot about what I do. And I ask them with working with me, cause they have to have a real estate license. I will teach you everything I know. I will share everything with you. I will even give you buyers at no commission to me so that you can occasionally make more money because they have their license fees too. My only caveat is that they don't ever 
stop working for me and come in here and farm against me using the same things I do. That's it. And yet I have had that happen to me. And it's a heartbreak to feel like all the years they were with me, all the years I helped them, the only thing I ever asked. And yet they, they see sometimes, I guess me, the lead realtor of what money I make because they're in the office, they see everything. And I think they think it's so easy. Well, they don't see me when I'm up at one in the morning doing stuff behind the scenes. They don't see me when I'm exhausted and I can't sleep at all those things. But that, that would be the one thing because there is a lot of material, like every floor plan that's in this subdivision, which is hundreds. I've collected them from day one. The builder doesn't even have all the floor plans I have. And there are three different builders that have been in here. And so it's been a lot of work to collect it, scan it, keep it. And it breaks my heart when I see my ex-employee trying to compete against me. And I know she copied all my floor plans because she puts them on hers because that's something that I do with all my listings. And so that, that is it. That's the emotional heartbreak. Have you, uh, have you, do you have a, a written agreement between you and your assistant to prevent that in the future? No, because I've talked to my lawyers, friends, and they're not really enforceable here. It might discourage somebody, but they're not really enforceable. And I feel like I'm a good person. I'm a fair person. I'm an honest person. And I always feel like the person who's going to do that, what goes around comes around and they've never been successful in here, but it still is an interruption. Sure. Yeah, a little bit of a frustration. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, let's let's uh, start to wrap this uh, up. And that is, do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for somebody that wants to start a geographic farm? Uh, they haven't yet, or they have one that's not performing. I talked to some people that it's not performing. Any final words for how they could get that thing ramped up? Well, I, I think the most important thing about having a farm or being in real estate is it's about relationships. It's about connection. It's about helping people. I think that you have to keep that in mind all the time in what you're doing. And if you're not, you're probably in the wrong business. But I, 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 because like I said, I've taught a lot of realtors because I used to run the mentoring program with another company. But anyway, I think it's important if you're going to do a farm, do a farm and do it smaller so that you can do it really good. So if when you're starting a farm from scratch, I really think you have to hit it a minimum of three times a month, a minimum. And if you can only afford to hit a farm three times a month, don't go bigger than 250. Do it, do 250 and do it three times a month and do it really good for a year. And then maybe if you want to add to that farm, then do it. But don't think I'm going to take on 1,300 homes and I'm going to hit it four to six times a month and I can afford that. They just can't. It doesn't, what you're going to spend and what you're going to get, it doesn't equalize. So I say do it really good and do it from the heart. That's good advice. I heard uh, make sure you're building relationships with the people in the community. 
Uh, I heard you got to mel- you got to contact these people at least three times a month. If you can't do that, then don't do it. And number three is start small, so you can make sure you're making those contacts. Uh, start as small as 250 to get yourself established and get rolling. Take those profits, and you can expand from there, which is what you did. Well, this is fantastic, Terry. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today about geographic farming. My pleasure. Uh, Thank you, Terry. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on the Solo Agent World podcast. Keep moving forward. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Solo Agent World. Enjoyed what you heard? Hit that like button. Plus, remember to subscribe and click that notification icon so you'll be the first to receive all the latest episodes. Love the show? Leave us a five-star rating and write a quick review. If you know a solo agent that we should interview, yourself or someone else, let us know at mastermindagent.com. And if you have a solo agent friend who could benefit, tell them about the show. Thanks for listening to Solo Agent World. Keep smiling and keep moving forward.